Hi, and welcome to The Connected Generation. My name is Nikia Anani, and I am the host. This week's episode is an amazing one with an amazing guest, Dr. Chisholm Ibe. She is so inspirational. Um, I love her story about how she got into what she's doing, which is wealth coaching. So she helps people build lasting wealth. She went on a personal journey herself of enlightenment and she came to the knowledge of the true multifaceted definition of wealth. And in this week's episode, she discusses how there's a mindset to wealth, but unfortunately, most of us focus on the tactics. 97% of being able to build wealth is determined by our psychology. Isn't that incredible? And she poses that we lack generational wealth on the continent because most entrepreneurs build their businesses just to survive and to hustle, as opposed to leaving a legacy and wealth building. In this episode, she speaks about the foundational, fundamental laws of wealth. There are laws that govern wealth building and so, so much more. I don't even know where to start and begin. It's just such a juicy, juicy episode. And yeah, so enjoy. Thank you. Hi, Dr. Chisholm. Welcome to Connected Generation Podcast. It's so lovely to have you today. Thank you. I'm so, 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 so glad to be here. Like, I am really excited to be i mean i can't believe this is happening <laughs> and i'll tell you why <laughs> because before i came online i was thinking about how i met you i, I think i was on linkedin just doing my normal looking around and and connecting with people and then i saw an article that you had written maybe a, a mutual connection liked it or something and then i read through it i'm like okay, who is this person that is speaking my language? <laughs> because you were talking about um, you were talking about family businesses and next generation businesses and the need for that to be something that should be done deliberately and those are the conversations that should be had. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And somehow I, 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 had to, I said I, had to, I have to find who this person is and get closer. And then I saw you, you were to speak at an event that was yeah. happening close to where I was. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is it. I, I got to beat her. <laughs> <laughs> and then I showed up to that uh, event by a law firm. Yeah, you are still talking about generational businesses. And here we are. So I am so excited that we're having this conversation. Yes, we share a common passion for building <laughs> lasting wealth, legacy wealth. And, yes. you know, I've also been watching a lot of your content on Instagram. You do a lot of Instagram lives. And yeah. I'm honestly amazed by your, like, this well of information. <laughs> I thought I was a bookworm, but <laughs> I'm a reader. And so I'm really excited about this conversation. Nothing too serious. Just let, I want to pick your okay. brain on a couple of things. So... You're a medical doctor by training and now a wealth coach. How do you, you know, get into wealth coaching and why is this a passion of yours? Okay, um, that's a very interesting question and uh, there's, a, there's a, an interesting story behind it. You know, growing up, I don't know how you grew up, but I know that growing up in the times when I grew up, any child that is... Um, showing any signs of intelligence, the first thing that comes to uh, your parents' mind is that this one has to be a doctor. Mm. It's very, very intelligent. Without any any particular regard for, okay, is this really where this child should be? Of course, not that I don't appreciate um, the entire process because everything is connected. And I do not regret for one minute spending seven years actually trying to becoming a doctor. However, what I know is that for the longest time, I have always said to myself that I think that I, I, I should be, I mean, I should be, I should for no reason not be wealthy. There's no reason why I shouldn't be a billionaire. So maybe being a doctor and growing, spending seven years, not, not even just a doctor, 
but I even 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 so much so that I have my I have a specialty. And after doing all of that, I I I realized that maybe I thought that okay that that would be a good way to start this journey to becoming a billionaire and becoming very wealthy, and it's a good place to start. However, I was shocked. I think maybe. <laughs> Let's just say Providence heard me and said, okay, let me save you the stress and help you understand that uh, success in career is not the same thing as being financially successful. And I also knew that for the longest time, I've always had a very strong passion for, for anything African, anything Nigerian. And I couldn't explain it. Trust me. It might sound cliche, but somehow I just couldn't explain it. So I knew that I also wanted to find myself making some very, very huge impact on the situation in Africa. I, I, I disliked the fact that any time Africa came up in any conversation, it was always in, in line of, of lack or poverty or negativity. So I couldn't, I couldn't just correlate how, why would I have this strong desire to be a billionaire? But for some reason, it looks like where I'm coming from is is closely related to poverty. I mean, something is wrong somewhere. And then I think about six years ago, I found myself in a training. It was a seminar that I attended and somebody was teaching something about wealth. And everything I was hearing in that class was totally against all I thought that wealth was supposed to be about. It was there I realized that Success in my career was in no way a guarantee that I was going to be successful in my finances or in my desire for wealth. That was when I realized that wealth has its, has its own education. Wealth is its own discipline. And when you say wealth, wealth is not just about making money. Real wealth is the one you build. And even when you're gone, it still continues. And since then, I have been on a journey to saying to myself, okay, if I'm really, really going to build wealth, then it means I have to do it the right way, which is not just making money for myself, but building something that will outlive me. And that's when I realized that that's actually what wealth is. It's not about making money. It's not about starting a business. It's actually, if for some reason we look for you and we cannot find you, can that business continue? And then I saw that that was totally missing in Africa. We, we didn't have a lot of those. And I began to study. I began to read books. I began to see businesses outside of Africa that had stayed hundreds of years. I began to travel. I began to see structures that are over 200 years. And then I realized, okay, something is not quite right. I think there's, there's, there's a level of wealth education that we have not been exposed to in this part of the world. And since I, I have made my decision to, to build something like that, I might as well take as many people as I can on that journey. And that's, that's, that's how. Okay. And so why do you think we have not been able to build lasting wealth in Africa? I sincerely, I know this is what I have discovered. And I'm saying this based on not just um, the personal studies that I have done, but all my years of, of coaching and mentoring business owners. Mm -hmm. It's shocking to me how many people run businesses who have no idea what it actually means to build a proper business. So majority of people who start business, because business is a vehicle to building generational wealth. Yes. Building lasting businesses is a, is a, is a powerful vehicle for building lasting wealth. So I find that most people who are in business are in business to survive. Mm -hmm. So most of them started those businesses with the intention to survive. And you know that whatever motivates something is what multiplies it. So if a business was totally motivated with an intention for survival, 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line, even on the outside, when that business looks like it's doing well, it is still built on a foundation of survival. And the person who started that business has not switched from that mindset. So 
because they're still on that survival mode, all the everything that they do in the business is geared towards making sure that they are okay. Because there's a difference between surviving and, and building a legacy-minded business. If you're building a survival-based business, you find out that the systems and the structures that you're supposed to put in place that have nothing to do with you, you won't put them in place because you want to make sure that your eyes are on everything because you can't afford to let go. I don't know what's going to happen if I'm not here. So I would say that based on my communication and my mentoring and my coaching with a lot of business owners, the problem is that most people start businesses for survival. And that is what continuously keeps them going, even 10 years, 20 years in that business. Is it possible? So you said whatever motivates something is what multiplies it. Yes. Is it possible to have started with this survival mindset in at inception, but somehow have a different motivation, kind of like a change of hearts, and then, um, you know, build on a different metaphorical foundation, so to speak? Is it possible to, 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 to have that enlightenment moment and change the way, um, a business owner, for instance, approaches their business? Okay, now that, that's a very interesting question because I, I see that a lot in the process of teaching people. When I begin to teach them the fundamentals of, of wealth, wealth building in the right way, they then begin to see that this is why I've been frustrated for years. Now, the challenge with that is this. Is it possible? Yes, it is. But the real question is, will you do it? Because... Even if you started on the wrong note, if you're going to change direction, you need time to do things the right way. I mean, you need time to restructure the entire process because there definitely has to be a restructuring. It, it's not an automatic switch. You can't say, oh, I'm enlightened now. So now, look, everybody, we're building a legacy business. We're building a generational business. There are certain fundamentals you didn't put in place when you started. So that means now we have to go back and do those things. So it usually would take time for the restructuring process to happen. And sometimes taking time means that you may have to slow down. You may have to slow down on certain activities Sometimes maybe your revenue may have to drop for a while because now you are going back to do the work you didn't do before. Now, because I've, se- I've actually seen people look, does look at what they have to do to, to, to turn around the entire business and they walk away. Why? Because they see the work that needs to be done into doing it the right way. And they see that, okay, it means that we have to slow down on certain things because we need to change and switch and restructure a lot of things and because they they're still afraid of oh, i'm not ready to spend the next one year or two years rearranging myself or restructuring my i, I, I let me just keep going in the wrong in the wrong direction it's, it's sad but it happens i mean i see it all the time so is it possible yes but the thing is it is going to demand something from whoever it is and that demanding something from you means you may have to slow down and put in those foundational things that you didn't put in when you started. So it's possible, but it does take a little sacrifice from whoever is building that business. It's now a question of, are you willing to make the sacrifice? That's a really good answer. I remember when we met at that details event you were talking about where I gave a presentation on multi-generational, well, multi-generational businesses. Mm-hmm. And I was speaking about the 2% phenomenon where in Nigeria, historically, only 2% of family businesses have survived beyond the founder. Mm-hmm. And I remember afterwards when we were speaking, you said something that really, I can never forget it. You said <laughs> generational wealth is very important, but for most people in this side of the world, we need to work on the psychology of wealth creation. And you said that that is foundational mm-hmm. before we can have lasting wealth. Can you explain what you meant by that? Okay. <laughs> In fact, this, these were things that I had to discover myself because 
you know, when I was starting out, when I was, let me say, much younger, not like I'm, I'm old anyway, <laughs> but years ago when I was so eager and say, yes, I know I'm going to be wealthy. I'm going to be a billionaire. I was, I was, let me just say, I was uh, eager to do whatever had to be done. I was hard working. I wanted to go out there and hustle and, you know, tell me, show me what to do. But then in the process of being mentored, because I spent a lot on my personal development, a whole lot. And it was as if the more I was spending on my personal development and getting knowledge, the more I was realizing that wealth building and wealth creation is a long-term game. It's really not about what you can do by yourself. It's about a particular kind. There's a mindset of wealth. The mindset for wealth is not the mindset for hustle. They're not the same thing. The psychology for wealth building, generational wealth building, is not the psychology for hustle. So I started with the mindset of I can hustle. But when I began with personal development, I began to talk to mentors who had who had built um, businesses in the tunes of millions of dollars. I began to see that the way that these people think is entirely different from the way that the normal person thinks as regards wealth. So it was very clear to me that it's not as if these people who are successful and are building things that you can see that is, is working without them. It's not that they are, they are more hardworking than the hustler. It's that the way that they think is different. So that was when it dawned on me that this has nothing to do with my hard work. This has nothing to do with my hustle because I can assure you, I'm a Nigerian. Nigerians are powerful, hardworking hustlers. Ah, yes, sir. <laughs> But the challenge is that they don't have the mindset. They don't have the psychology of building something lasting. It does not, as in, it is almost non-existent. That was when I realized that, hold on. The problem here is not the hard work. The problem here is not that we can't work hard. The problem here is that the thought process that is driving what we're doing is not a psychology of wealth at all. And I found out that, unfortunately, from my own personal research, from my own personal experience, the psychology carries over 97% of success in anything that you're doing. 97% of your success is based on the psychology. So I knew that until, until we begin the process of, of excavating and rearranging the mentality and those intangible things, those parts that nobody even checks that you don't think is, is contributing until we do the work on those psychology. No matter how hard we work, we're going to find out that years from now, nothing much has changed. So, and I see it all the time, even from, from the people that, um, that I, I teach. So from your work and the people you teach, what are the common limiting beliefs that they have or the limiting mindset that they carry that really present this obstacle to being wealthy? Okay. Um, well, right, uh, right now, the majority of my, my, my mentees and my, my clients are Nigerians and definitely, of course, Africans. And yes, I do have a, let me just say a bias towards that because I believe that when it comes to being positioned positionally, there's really no reason. There's no reason why we should have as much lack as is being observed here. But what I found out is that, uh, and you know, these things are, are they're, they're transgenerational. Poverty is transgenerational. <laughs> Wealth is transgenerational. And these are things that they have been carrying from, from their childhood. In fact, myself being an example. And one of them is the fact that you have to, um, you have to work extra hard. That you have to really, really work hard before you can, you can be wealthy. And hard work is, 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 is the, the mental, the, the belief is the hard work is you have to do the work. So it's almost as if we have, they have this mentality of, if there's any money per se that doesn't come from what you did by yourself, then it's not genuine. I don't know if you understand. Mm -hmm. 
If there's any money you make that has nothing to do with you, meaning that the, the ideology of the fact that you're supposed to contribute a little and then put a system in place that does most of the work and then you make a lot of money. We, we, it's almost as if it's a crime, it's a sin for you to get money that you didn't directly do work to get. Mm. So, but, but, but from my understanding of wealth is wealth is less about what you can do as a person and more about what other people in collaboration with your own efforts can make happen. So that mindset of you have to work hard and do it by yourself. If you don't do it by yourself, then it's not, it's not, you're never going to be able to make well. That's a very, very, very serious limiting belief because what it then does is you then see where people start businesses and from inception, they never make room for having um, a proper, um, even a proper leadership structure where everybody's role is defined and you know that this is what you're supposed to do. You stay in your own role and contribute as much as you can in that role and let every other person's contribution then come to make the entire thing work. So you find them wanting to be involved in every single thing. And because of that, they don't have a proper leadership structure because that mindset of if I'm not the one doing it, it cannot work. That's, that's one very serious one. And, and also another, another very common, um, 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 limiting belief is that, you know, we're very, very, um, religious people. Hmm? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and unfortunately, we're quite religious, but we're not very spiritual because they're not the same thing. Because what I found out is that it is, it is, it is possible to be religious and not spiritual. But spirituality is what you actually need for wealth, not religion. So somehow religion has, has, has sort of blinded us from the spirituality that you're supposed to be involved in, which is a necessity for wealth. And what it has done is that, um, we, we, we somehow think that, um, because you're religious, that, you know, uh, God is going to take care of a lot of things. Um, instead of understanding the fact that whatever it is you're waiting for God to do has already been done. All you just need to do is to bring in your own creativity, which has to do with your mind. And then put those proper leadership structures in place and make it happen. So I've also seen what, um, sadly so, sadly so. So, if you listen to, to the way I teach, I'm glad you've attended some of my live sessions. I do a lot of teaching from the Bible and I use a lot of spiritual concepts to teach the things that I teach. And the reason I do that is because I'm, I'm trying to let them see that this same knowledge that you're having in terms of religion, your, your misinterpretation of, of this, this concept, this spiritual concepts is causing you, is denying you the very thing that this thing is supposed to give to you is taking it away from you because you're giving it the wrong interpretation. So it's almost as if you're waiting for God to come and do something. And then you're hustling and praying that God will bless your hustle instead of you understanding that everything that you need has already been done. All you just need to do is to open up a book and study about wealth. So you know the proper way to do it. So that there are so many more, but I think this, these two are very, very common. In, yeah. in in my communication with people. We are such a religious people. You're so right. <laughs> and we almost almost like we 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 love to abdicate ourselves of the responsibility of mm-hmm. things and push that back onto God. Um to supposedly bless the hustle as you mentioned and to take away all our problems and to just give us instant breakthroughs so yeah yeah, no i completely completely agree with you with that observation and let's talk more about laws of wealth i remember being glued to my phone watching you on ig live i think you you have series on a thursday night yes yes there was one particular one you did on laws of wealth and i was just like screaming actually screaming (laughs) in agreement about everything you were saying because you explained 
laws of wealth in a way that I'd never heard. And okay. um, I'm quite familiar with these concepts, but a lot of people are not. Can you summarize and perhaps zone in on what you feel is most important law or the one okay. that you people most most often feel at? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's an interesting one. And before I even talk about the laws themselves, I think that it's important for me to, to, to state why wealth has laws and why it's important for people to understand that wealth has laws. Now, I always let, tell people this, that wealth is a discipline on its own. And when I say discipline, it's like every other discipline. Law is a discipline. Medicine is a discipline. Engineering is a discipline. Accounting is a discipline. All of these things are discipline. And wealth is a discipline. And if there's something that every discipline has in common, is the fact that they have laws that guide the way they are supposed to be operated or done. So imagine that you want to be wealthy, or rather you want to be a doctor, you have a responsibility to go to school and understand the laws that guide medicine, right? If you want to be an engineer, you have a responsibility to sit down and understand the laws that guide engineering. So why would somebody think that they want to be wealthy and somehow they think that just because I own a business, I am qualified for wealth? Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. Wealth is a discipline. It has its own laws. And the moment you say you want to be wealthy, and which is where most people miss it because most people don't do it deliberately. Like I said, it's for survival. Most people do things because they want to survive. But if you're deliberate about the process of building wealth, then your responsibility is to educate yourself about the laws of wealth, just like every other discipline. So wealth has laws. And just like every law, you know, laws are indifferent about your ignorance. Mm -hmm. If you violate it, you pay the price. If you say, oh, I'm a very nice person, I pray 10 times a day, but you don't know the laws of wealth, just like the law of gravity. Even if you're a sincere person and you jump off an 11-story building, your sincerity will not protect you from the law of gravity. You're falling down. So it is that ignorance of the laws of wealth that make people spend all their time trying everything under the, under the sun, do everything, try struggle hard, go to church 100 times a day, pray how many times, but they are in violation of the laws of wealth because they're not even aware of it. And the laws don't care whether you know it or you don't know it. If you violate it, ignorance is not an excuse. You're still going to bear the consequences of those, of that violation. So wealth as a discipline has its own laws. And of course, I may not be able to say all of it, but I think, I think I'm just going to, to help whoever is listening to just get, there's some very important ones that I think everybody should, should definitely. And, and these things are interestingly, um, wealth is, is a very, is a very, is a very spiritual concept. And that's why it hurts me so much when I see how religious we are. And yet we're not benefiting from the proceeds of, of spirituality because it's almost as if you're, we're so close yet so far. I don't know if you understand. <laughs> it's like we're, we're, we're so close and yet so far away from, from the entire process. So the first law, the first law of wealth that most people violate is the law of awareness. I call it the law of awareness. And what does that mean? You see, anything that you're not aware of hmm, will elude you, no matter how close that thing is. But because you're not aware of it, it will still you will still not be able to use it or have the benefit of it. Let me give you an, an example. If you remember that there, there are certain times, let's say, for example, you're somewhere and you're writing something on your note. Let's say you're using a pen and you're writing something. And then all of a sudden you take that pen and you stick it behind your ear. Maybe you want to just rush and get something. You come back and you forget that you stuck that pen behind your ear, right? Mm -hmm. And you're screaming at everybody. Someone stole my pen. Someone stole my pen. 
Now, even though that pen is right behind your ear, but your lack of awareness of its presence will deny you the benefit of what you want to get from that pen, which is writing. Am I correct? So the first law of wealth that most people violate is the law of awareness. They are not even aware of a concept called wealth. You just know that you're supposed to hustle and you're supposed to start a business. But have you ever asked yourself, so what exactly is wealth? Because if you're not aware of something, you know that even if that thing passes, if it goes, if it goes um, across you, multiple times you will not you won't even see it because you're not aware of it the same way if you're not interested in a a a red toyota corolla no matter how many red toyota corollas pass pass around you you will never be able you will never be able to to recognize them but the moment you become aware and say okay there is actually something called because Nikki, I can tell you, not many people are, they, they're not interested in generational wealth. Most people, they're not even aware of it. Do you think they're not interested? Because I... As, they're not even aware of it. Hmm. It's, it's the awareness. They're not aware of the concept of generational wealth. Because you can imagine that in this part of the world, what most people or most parents think about is the fact that um, you're waiting for your children to get to a certain point and then start taking the responsibility of you, of taking care of you, mm-hmm. instead of the other way around, which is where you are supposed to build a foundation for them to continue on. Yes. So that awareness has not yet kicked in, that there is a concept called generational wealth. Because if you're not aware of it, it's the awareness that kicks off the other laws that makes you say, okay, now I'm aware that this thing exists. The next thing you want to ask yourself is, so how do I define it? Because from the law of awareness, the second law is called the law of definition. I beg to differ. Sorry, I'm going to be very okay. Please, controversial. Please, <laughs> we are aware because, as you said, we're very religious people, and this same religious book, book the Bible, is very mm-hmm. about God's will for us, generational wealth. So, what's the disconnect? You see the okay, maybe maybe um uh if I if I if I, if I explain the second law, maybe you, you there's a difference between fine, somebody could be aware of something and then there's 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 a violation of the other laws. Because awareness is, is the beginning, it's not the end. Not the end, okay. Awareness is the beginning. And and I think that's another thing. When I said we're religious, the danger mm-hmm. is do you know that I can read the Bible, you can read the Bible. But your interpretation and my interpretation differ. And as a result of that, we get different results from the same Bible. So true. So I can read the Bible and I have an understanding about it based on where my definition comes from. And you have a different understanding about it based on whoever it is you're listening to and whatever interpretation you're getting from it. And as a result of that, we take the same Bible and use that as the foundation or the knowledge that is driving our actions. And as a result of that, we get totally different results. And then you see two of us defending and saying that it is the Bible that I use to get my results. And you're wondering, so why are you like this? Why am I like this? It's not the same Bible. Yeah. So possibly, yes, maybe someone is aware of it. So I think the next one now is the law of definition because life rewards you according to your definition, not your efforts. It is the extent of your definition that determines the extent to which you can use something or get a result out of it. And I think one, one major problem, if really you are aware of it, fantastic, it's possible. But the next question is, so what definition have you given to it? And that's where, when you begin to question people's definition, you see that most people are living on what I call a borrowed definition. The definition you have about wealth is what your pastor told you or what your mother said wealth is or what you saw around you. Have you ever really questioned to find out what wealth is? Because I had to define wealth for myself. In fact, it was in the process of trying to understand what wealth is 
that I realized that any wealth that is not generational is not true wealth. But that was because I sought to define it for myself using certain parameters of definition that I had to um, go through. So I agree with you in that, yes, it's possible that most people are aware of it. But the next question now is, so can you define it? What is wealth? If you talk to most people, their definition of wealth is, I have money and I'm comfortable. And no matter what else you do, if that is your definition of wealth, there's nothing else you do. You will never go beyond, I have money and I'm comfortable. Wow. So I think first is the law of awareness. Then the next thing is the law of definition, which is that life will reward you according to your definition. Anything you cannot define will overwhelm you. And it's the extent to which you define wealth that will determine how much of it you can actually get. So if your, if your definition of wealth is narrow, that's what everything you build will be around that. But if you have an expanded definition of wealth, then that's the extent to which whatever activities you engage in, in business and every other thing, will take the shape of that definition. You mentioned something um, in your earlier questions and you were kind of laying emphasis on personal development. Yes. And a lot of listeners may be like, um, for Nigerians now, we love our education. We're very well educated. Can you enlighten and, you know, make the distinction between personal development versus education? And which areas do we need to be pursuing consistently um, development in? Okay, this is the direction in which I would answer that question. I think that a lot of us Nigerians, you say we're very uh, proud of our <laughs> education. Like badge of honor that we wear, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have five masters. <laughs> so I think um, that is what I call schooling. Mm. See, schooling is different from education. That's what I believe. Schooling from even the rich, the real meaning of education is, I mean, education comes from the root word educe, educer, meaning to draw out from within. Now, schooling is what we are very, very wonderful at, which is you go to school, you listen to somebody tell you, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not discarding the importance of all of those, those information that we were given. Okay. You get a master's in this, PhD in that. All of that is good. It's, it's a body of knowledge. It's schooling, but it does not that your school does not actually mean that you have education uh, based on the meaning of the word education, because any, anything that you call education, that is not focused on the individual with the intention to um, bring out what is within that individual. Because you find a lot of people who have gone to school, but it's, it's not, you can't see the full expression of who they are in anything that they're doing. That's because there's an element that is missing, which is that personal education of that which is inside of you being drawn out to draw out from within, to educe. That's the root, the true meaning of education. Educe area, to draw out from within that which is in you. So any knowledge that is you're taking in that is not with the intention of bringing out what is inside of you to make you the best of who you are, then we need to really look at that education. And, and ask, is that really education? education? not really education. Yes. <laughs> Most of most of it is not really education. It's schooling. Schooling. And yeah. So you mentioned about how the psychology of wealth and how a lot of business owners are kind of in survival mode and how that is, you know, not in alignment with the psychology of wealth building, right? But in our context here in Nigeria where we have many reminders, visual reminders, um, you know, audio reminders, um, emotional reminders of lack. How can 
business owners tilt away from that scarcity mindset and really embrace this psychology of wealth building. Ah, uh, well, but I know that uh, that's uh, that's that's something that I teach, and that's something that I teach, and it's. First of all, you have to make a decision because I'm not going to sit here and then tell you that, you know, um, it's so easy because we, we really are surrounded. It's, it's not easy when you, I mean, when you wake up and you look around you, it's almost as if everything, everything around you is pointing in an opposite direction of what you really say that you want. Yeah. That's, it's, it's almost like everything is pointing in the negative direction of, of, of wealth. And that's why it has to be a personal commitment. It has to be a personal commitment where um, you make up your mind. And I mean, it's a question of what do you really want? Because I'm seeing what I'm seeing. No, no problem. But do you want to stay there? Is that where you want to remain? And there are ways of, 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 it's almost as if you're, you, you have the ability to, to transport yourself, even while you're still physically in a location where it looks like everything is, is lack. You have the, the, a way to transport yourself away from that environment by creating for yourself an environment that is different from the one that you see around you. It can be done. And, you know, one of the things I always tell um, the people who are, I mean, my family has always known me that for the longest time, I never really saw how I, I was wondering. So what's with the craze of saying, okay, I need to live abroad. I want to travel abroad. I've never really seen, and I couldn't understand why I didn't find it so fascinating that, okay, before I can, let me use the word we're familiar with, before I can make it, mm-hmm. so to speak, that I have to be outside of Nigeria. And I said to them, I don't believe that. See, there are laws, there are certain principles that are that that are not location dependent. Principles are not Nigerian principles. Principles are principles, whether you live in America or you live in Nigeria. Principles are principles and they don't respect location. So what I told myself was, if I could learn these principles and understand how do these things work, that tells me that it, it doesn't matter what location I, this is not, I'm not, this is not motivational speaking. You can make it, you cannot make it. That's not what this is about. I'm saying time tested, proven principles that people who have come out from the dungeons of the dungeons of the poorest have used them to create massive sustainable wealth that everybody now looks at and say, Oh, this is amazing. But the interesting thing is that when you tell people that, listen, I need you to look beyond your environment and start looking within. It's called psychology for a reason because it has to do with your mind. It has to do with you building up yourself from the spirit to the mind before you talk about your body. And that's because of that, because of I've seen and I've also experienced and used the same principles to create success for myself. And that's why I tell them that it doesn't matter whether you are in Nigeria where everything around you is telling you, um, um, every, every, if I look like every, every, everywhere you look is telling you that, um, you have no hope of ever being wealthy. It's not true. You have the capacity to create an environment different from the one that you find yourself in. You have that ability. It's done. And it is when you begin, and all of this begins with personal development. All of this begins with personal development. It is where the entire journey of building wealth really, really, really starts. Because when people say generation, and I'm, I'm sure you've probably had this because you deal with a lot of next generation businesses where someone who has built a business and has transferred it, you find the person who has um, inherited that business struggling with continuing with whatever was done because all they got per se were the assets, the properties, but nobody really, they didn't get a transfer of whatever principles built those assets because that is what we, that's what is going to make sure that they're able to sustain the assets that they inherited. 
if they don't have the right understanding of how are these things built, then it becomes difficult for you to maintain that which was given to you. So transfer actually begins with transferring not just the properties, but also transferring the knowledge and the principles that built those properties and those assets so that they can be continued. So whether or not, it doesn't matter the location. It's not about, it's not a location-based thing. I keep telling my friends and, and those who are close to me that I'm going to prove to you that you don't need to step out of this country to build real lasting wealth because principles don't care about borders and locations. Mexico and America, they share the same border. As in this is, is geography that separates them. But you know that the difference in, in those two countries has nothing to do with geography. It's, it's what's happening in the minds of the individuals in those two locations. Incredible. And so for those that have, may have had their moment of awakening <laughs> whilst listening to <laughs> and are like, okay, I want to develop myself. What resources do you recommend they start with? Any books or any, um, yeah, where, where, where do you recommend they start? To... Yes. Okay. Uh, of course, books books are, are a good resource. In fact, what I tell, I, I once said something that man, if if I had if I had the ability to pass a law in Nigeria, any business that does not have um, and maybe a, a continuous education program attached to it, a business has to close, shut down and go and, and start and start all over again because I know how important personal development and continuous learning is for business growth. And it's easy for us to look outside and wish that, oh, we could have, because it's always easy to look outside and try to copy what others are doing. But what we don't know is that you're only copying the building. You don't know that there's a foundation on which the building is resting. And if you copy the building without the the commensurate foundation you're just wasting your time so definitely personal development is a is a non-negotiable in business building and even in in any need to build generational wealth so yes books are a good way to start so i probably would recommend one or two but one thing that i always would tell anybody who is reading books is please while you're reading books to make your journey um, a lot more um, focused you should get help. You should, you should find yourself mentors. You should find yourself coaches. Because what I realized was that I could never have gotten as much as I did within the time frame that I did if I did not submit myself and was willing to pay for the time and the resource of people who, who have put themselves through the process of learning the things I wanted to learn so I could learn from them faster. It saves you a lot of time than just groping in the dark. Books are amazing, but relationships with mentors are equally very, very powerful. Yeah. So um, one of the books that I would recommend that I know really, really set me off to thinking and seeing that it has nothing to do with my location. If I'm serious about wealth, then I can start studying about it and learning about it. Uh, I, I would say, I would, I would say think and grow rich. That was, that was a good one. Think and grow rich. It's a book that was written by Napoleon Hill. It's a very popular book where he, he studied over 20 multi-billionaires and found out from them, what is it about you that makes you different and you're able to build this amount of wealth and success and that seems sustainable what is it and all those over 20 years of research that was packed into that book it was able to open my mind to okay so that means this is not um, wealth is not something that is given and reserved for a special group of people it is accessible to everyone if you actually learn the right way to get it. So I would recommend, if I, if I could recommend just one book for anyone to start with, that would be the one I would start with. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Amazing. Amazing to have had you on, Dr. Susan. <laughs> Definitely going to have you on again because I'm sure you have <laughs> much more to say. <laughs> 
and to, to impart. If anyone wants to get hold of you, how best can they get hold of you? Okay, my my major online activity happens on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is at Chisum Chioma. Those are my yes, those are my two names. Chisum Chioma is my Instagram handle. I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn as Dr. Chisum Chioma Ibe. But major majorly my activities are on Instagram. I, I put out a lot of content. I do live streaming. And I also, of course, I have um, courses, online courses that I teach. But anybody who wants to connect with my free content can catch me on Instagram, majorly, or Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And you know what? I think that, okay, there are people like you who are <laughs> having these conversations. It gives, it gives me hope. <laughs> because sometimes it can actually feel lonely when you're saying something. It looks like everybody's looking at you like, what are you saying? Like, <laughs> 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 what are you yeah. saying? <laughs> yeah, there's hope. There's always hope. <laughs> there is. I totally believe that there is. So take care, Dr. Tuzo. Thank you so much for having me. Wow. I told you it was good. <laughs> There's so many tweetables. Whatever motivates something is what multiplies it. Anything you're not aware of will elude you. Life rewards you according to your definition and not your efforts. And my favorite is we must rearrange, excavate our mindsets to move from hustle to legacy. <laughs> and to be able to go on that journey from hustle to legacy, I think we have to go on a journey of self-development. And I love Chisholm's distinction between schooling and education, right? So educate to draw out from within the root word in education. Really, education is to enable us to achieve mastery of self, as opposed to just assimilating and accumulating information. Education is about being able to utilize information to empower ourselves, to manage our mindsets to achieve our goals. I believe that's the true litmus test of education, is being able to live a life by design. It's quite an introspective journey. We must first know what we want, who we are, where we want to go, such that we can utilize education to enable us to achieve mastery of self. And I love, love, love this quote that I came across by Lao Tzu, saying, knowing others is intelligence. Knowing yourself is true wisdom. Mastering others is strength. Mastering yourself is true power. So let's tap in to that true power by mastering ourselves. God bless you and take good care.